Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, everybody. want to welcome you to this week's main check discussion group call. I'm here, of course, with our uh, other host, Keith, is with us. And uh, I've asked Thomas to join us this evening as well. And uh, this is kind of an overdue uh, conversation this evening. And at the same time, though, it's an extremely timely conversation uh, because of everything that's going on right now and where people have their eyes focused and what people are looking at. And, you know, like I said, it's timely for this situation, but, you know, this could have also applied one, two, three years ago, ten years ago. Uh, because the things that we have our, our focus on are almost always the things that the system presents to us. You know, they're, they're going to show us, you know, the, the shiny object, you know, look, squirrel, you know, and that's why everybody's going to be paying attention. They're, that's what they're going to be looking at. Um, like I've brought up the past several months, you know, one of those things within, say, the Patriot community is the obelisk. Everybody looks at that. You know, oh, this is a sign of this or that or whatever. Okay. Sure, it's giving you something, but what do you do with that? All right. Because there's other signs and symbols ruling the world that that's distracting you from. Some that are much more serious that actually do uh, supply you with actionable information, stuff you can really use with what's going on. And at the same time, I see in here a lot of people talk about various different processes and different things that, you know, I've found on message boards that back in the 70s online people were chit-chatting about and things like that. It's really nothing new. It's A lot of it's just regurgitated stuff that people have had zero success with, and it's because these are surface things. It's, it's really what I term fluff. They're throwing a lot of fluff at people. And those are the things everybody looks into and tries figuring out. And, you know, you're not doing anything new. It's been done before, you know, to no avail. So that should really show that, okay, that's not the direction to go in. Uh, It's just like the Patriot community. For years and years, you know, that they've been pounding the Constitution and, but we've got to hold our our, our public leaders, our, our policymakers, our public servants. We've got to hold them to the Constitution. We've got to enforce their oath of office. And all right, guess what, guys? This has been done for a long time. That this is an argument that's existed for a long time. Has it done anything for anybody? No. It leaves a lot of people either dead on the side of the road or they die in prison. Okay, is that success? No. Uh, it's, is that even a remedy? No, that's not even a remedy. And that's one of the things that I kind of harp on. You hear everybody pushing remedy, remedy, remedy. You know, if you're looking at um, admiralty jurisdiction, maritime law, remedy isn't your ultimate goal. 
it really comes in, like I've said, it comes in three stages. It comes in salvage, remedy, and then cure. So why are you stopping halfway through? Why are you stopping at remedy? Why not just go to cure? That's the problem with Western medicine today is that it works on remedy, which is really nothing more than a Band-Aid. Um, like, uh, I think it's Dr. Shiva that says, he's from India, says that Western medicine is nothing but battlefield medicine. All it does is it just puts the soldier back into the battlefield, patch him up, send him back out to fight. That's really what it's made for. It's, and we know that when you look at the medical institution, the word cure, that's a forbidden word. You can't use that word regarding anything, although there are plenty of cures out there. But they're, of course, not profitable. And they're not what they really want. It's not even about being profitable. What it's really about is keeping a dependent society, keeping people in need, keeping people looking up to their God, looking up to their master, and begging for help there. And we see this over and over. I mean, even just on, you know, personal levels. Right? I don't know how many, we, and everybody could probably attest to this. When somebody loses their job or there's a layoff, whatever the case may be, normally the first thing you'll hear them ask is, does anybody know where the unemployment office is? Or do you have the online link, you know, to file for unemployment? Or, you know, uh, how do I do? Guess what? Why does our mind go there first? That's not where our mind is supposed to go. You know, and this is so prevalent. And, you know, I don't like necessarily poking at the patriot community. But there's just so many flaws there. And it's it's normally the first place people stumble into when they fall into this quote-unquote awakening process. But... Like I said, you know, that they've been harping on things for years, and it's done nothing for them. And whenever do you ever really hear many of these true blue patriots um, talk about the creator? Now, if, if they're a patriot, the word patriot, by definition, they've chosen a father. They've chosen an earthly father, an earthly god. And that god can be found in the apotheosis of Washington at the Capitol. Apotheosis means the raising to godhood. It's kind of like the uh, meme that I used, the banner for advertising for tonight, which uh, stated basically, you know, we hear about one nation under God, but you go to Washington, D.C., and all you see is Greek and Roman gods. Where is this so-called Christian God that everybody wants to claim the United States was founded on? You're not going to find it. And one of the main reasons why you're not going to find it is because that's another falsehood. That's another piece of fluff that's been thrown out there for people. They can poke at that all they want. You'll have zero success because it has nothing to do with this country. And if you read the writings of the founders, they'll even tell you that. They will tell you flat out, the United States of America was not based on Christianity, period. And you look at who they were. You look at who they served. You look at the societies they belonged to and who those societies, God or gods, are. You're not going to find the God of Jacob, Abraham, Isaac, and Joseph. You're just not going to find them there. In fact, you're going to find very much the opposite. 
speaking of gods, um, <clears throat> and this fluff that gets thrown at everybody, one of the things that we need to realize is that, you know, a lot of people want to know, oh, who's at the top of the pyramid, who's running things, this and that, and there's, you know, three or four big names normally that get thrown out. Let me tell you something. If you were the perpetrator of evil across this earth, would your name be out there? Would you let people know who you are? Absolutely not. Even if you are a country, for instance, that's behind so much of this, would you let your country's name be visible? Would you stand out from the crowd? Absolutely no, you wouldn't. You're going to sit back. You're going to let your little minions do their thing. You're going to let all the people point at them and say, oh, those are the people, those are the families responsible. That's what you want, because as long as everybody's pointing at them, they're not pointing at you. <laughs> and that's your ultimate goal, is to be able to sit back, live your life, and push the buttons, and you know, watch the puppets dance. And if, if you go into the various gods, what, whether it's the gods of Egypt or gods of Rome, uh, gods of Greek and you know d different lore, it's really interesting, I found, that if you look at an area in a country that stays pretty silent, doesn't really participate in a lot of the fluff that we see going on in the media, uh, particularly the Scandinavian area, and which pretty much is comprised of like Norway, Denmark, Sweden, and look at their gods. Look into, for instance, the god of the Vikings. That's where their history stems from. And the gods of the Vikings are very, very interesting. You don't hear very much about them. Uh, you don't see any statues, really, of them. Um, if you watch Lord of the Rings, you're going to hear a lot of those names brought up. Uh, because... The writer of Lord of the Rings is very, very familiar with uh, Viking religion or mythology. And some of these names are, I mean, when you start studying them, it's like all of a sudden lights start coming on. And it doesn't have to do with, you know, Mercury from Rome or all of these other gods that we see um, or spirits that we see, like the American spirit or the spirit of freedom. You know, I've heard people refer to the statue on the top of um, the Capitol building as the Statue of Freedom. And I think even Wikipedia lists it that way. Well, that's a Greek, Greek statue. It's not going to be named the Statue of Freedom. You go in and look at what that statue is. That, that statue is uh, Persephone. Persephone is part of the underworld, a goddess of war. It's the only statue in D.C. that is not lit up at night, and it's painted black. And it sits on top of the capital of our rulemaking authorities, which I really don't like saying our rulemaking authorities because they are all very, very separate from us. You know, I've heard people recently looking at things happening, and they're saying, oh, the this country's going down, or it's being taken over by this group or that group. Sorry. What's being done is exactly what's supposed to be done. It's being played out the way this type of a society plays out. 
because this system was was not even taken over it was created to operate a certain way and it's not really a functional way it's not a positive way but it's it's functioning exactly as it was created to function and it's just becoming more and more prominent now and people need to realize that so when you hear phrases like you know our duty or service that's fluff you hear our public servants our public servants nothing could be further from the truth so much of this stuff has been put out there that is a total fallacy you know if these individuals for instance whether it's even in your local community if they truly are your public servant then why don't they take orders from you they don't they take orders from higher up they don't listen to the underlings and this is all just part of uh the deception that's put out there or distraction that's been put out there and this really is how the new world order is set up everybody wants to say oh we got to watch out for the new world order we got to watch out for one world religion i'm sorry it's been here it's been here for a long time it's built on that that's what this is all built on um if if you don't think a one world government is here travel the earth go to other countries move around See if your debt doesn't follow you. Yeah, it does. Why? Because that one world government, uh, the uh, MFers, the money funders, <laughs> that is the one world government. Um, and it just has tentacles that it uses for enforcement, such as the United Nations. Here, a lot of people say, oh, we got to throw the United Nations out of the U.S. Well, throwing the United Nations out of the U.S., is like throwing your mom out of your family or throwing your grandfather out of your family it's not possible the united nations was created by five main countries the u.s is one of them we are a foundational member you don't get rid of one without getting rid of the other just the way it works and it's just an enforcement arm and even you know I think it's interesting looking at the United Nations <clears throat> we are brought up to believe through social media our public indoctrination but we're brought up to believe that there's certain main countries who are our enemies these are our enemies you know well, we've got to make sure that you know uh, we've got the correct trade you know agreements with them and this and that otherwise uh, they're going to take over and dominate well what if you found out that guess what the u.s has been in bed with those supposed enemies for a long time go and look and see who the five founding member countries of the united nations are russia china um, of course, Great Britain, uh, the U.S. I mean, we were in bed, the United States was in bed with them to create the United Nations, to dominate the world, to enforce this one world government, which I also call a one world religion. Because, you know, you could bring up um, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph to just about any group of people nowadays, and 
they're going to look at you like deer in the headlights. They're not even going to hear you. They're just going to blow it off. Uh, bring up something controversial like Hillary Clinton or Barack Obama or Donald Trump. Oh, okay. Guess what? They're going to fight you to the death on this now. Now they're, they're ready to listen. Now they're ready to impose their thoughts that have been stuck in their head by mainstream media. Why? Because it is their one world religion. It, those are triggers to them. Those are emotional triggers. They've been created as emotional triggers. And that's one of the things I really think that people should pay attention to is the emotional triggers. Uh, some people call them buttons. But even today, uh, you bring up different things with this, you know, coronavirus or whatever, and people are immediately going to get emotional and spout out, well, you know, and they bring it to a personal level, you know, fear of death, fear of death, and they make it personal. Oh, that could be, you know, you could be infecting somebody's grandmother or somebody's grandfather or somebody's mom or dad, and they get really emotional about it. Well, why? Because this has just been shoved into their psyche and beaten over the head with it over and over and over and it becomes an emotional trigger and if you ask them for any evidence on that then the emotions raise even more they can't provide any evidence you're not ever going to get any evidence because it doesn't exist you're going to get the emotion you're going to get the emotional triggers and emotional triggers are not theological triggers they are not they're not triggers that stem from someone's research or their learning or because they've really studied anything. No, it's because they've been told that this is what you have to care about. That's the whole idea. It's the whole system. The mind of man has always been the number one battlefield. And unfortunately today, it looks like they've done a pretty darn good job taking control of the mind of men. Because mankind doesn't seem to think for themselves too much anymore. They're just regurgitating what has been pounded into them. And unfortunately, that's one of the weaknesses of the powers that be, is they, they aren't even able to empower people to defend those triggers. They just place those triggers there. Because they know if emotions rise high enough on any topic, there won't be any discussion. There won't be any learning. There won't be any comprehension of any real cure. And I think those are the things people really need to pay attention to. You know, I, I see with social media today, people posting all sorts of different remedies, different schools of thought on this or that. And I always ask one question. Where's your source link? Where'd you get this information from? Who told you that? That's, what, that's one of the sayings that I love about Batman on talk show. And uh, he says, who told you that? You know, uh, normally people can't even tell you who told them that. They, they've just heard it over and over from enough people that eventually they take it as fact. You know, uh, and you ask them for a source link. Hey, get, show me where I can look this up. Where can I get more information on this? And they go silent. But then 20 minutes later, they put out another post saying the same thing. It's like, okay. You know, either you are AI or just a useful idiot. I don't know. 
but that's basically the basis of some of the things that I want to cover this evening. Um, and, you know, I want to say one of the things that we're hearing the most, in fact, there's a commercial on the radio uh, that I hear too many times a day that comes out and they're saying, oh, you know, we've got to respond to China. China unleashed this on the world. China lied to the world. Well, hold on a second. Let's look at liability. Let's look at responsibility and duty. What duty does China have to tell the rest of the world about anything that happens within its jurisdiction? Zero. Who might hold a liability? Oh, well, you're we talking about the UN, right? Well, the UN might hold a liability. They have an organization called WHO, the World Health Organization. They, were, they had boots on the ground since last November. Did the WHO come out and tell the 182 or whatever member nations of the United Nations that, hey, there might be a possible world problem going on here? No, they didn't. Nothing was really said until like maybe the end of January at the very earliest, but at least February. So, no. And, you know, we hold no even authority to even do anything regarding China's response. Their response was their response. And I firmly believe that what was going on over there is totally misunderstood by people. And I, I, would, I, I think what we're seeing as of maybe last December or, or early January about what was happening over there with people getting arrested, if you're watching like any recording or video or anything like that of those situations happening, you're going to hear whoever it is that is an announcer or a host of whatever channel, they're talking and, and they're saying, Oh, look, these people must have uh, been at the uh, Wuhan um, uh, market. They must have been at that market, the Asian market. Uh, they're, going, they're going and arresting these people. They're going and taking them in. They're taking them to the hospital, da, da, da. Hey, I recommend anybody, turn the volume off. Mute it. Mute it and watch what's going on. And ignore the face mask that these responders might be wearing. If this virus had been so deadly, they would have been wearing hazmat suits. And in some situations, somewhere, but in general, not. But watch it and look at what you really see. What you're really seeing is the government going in and arresting dissidents. Um, there was one situation that I saw, and I, I tried not to watch too many of those just because it just warps your mind. But there was one of them I saw where a woman being arrested, she kept yelling and screaming. She said, I'm a good worker. I work all day. I work every day. I work 12 hours a day. I'm a good worker. Why are you doing this to me? I'm a good worker. Wait a minute. If she was sick, why would she be saying that? No, what she was touting was their party line. What makes you a good citizen over there? A good citizen over there is someone who is giving to the government, following the government's orders, being productive, going to work, working long hours every day. That's what was just being repeated out of her mouth. She wasn't saying anything about, oh, I'm healthy, oh, I haven't sneezed, no, I'm not sick, I don't know anybody that's sick. No, none of that. 
people don't realize uh, Wuhan province. Wuhan province, I would compare to Hate Ashbury 50 years ago. Wuhan province is known for having a lot of people who didn't necessarily follow the party line. Um, they've been actually protesting. You don't see this on TV. You see other parts of um, Asia. But they've actually been holding protests in Wuhan for like 10 years now. Um, these are the 70s flower children of China, okay? And that they're not big government supporters. And we've seen in the last year how they've ramped up their ability uh, for facial recognition. And if you ever see any of the videos on it, it's pretty interesting because you'll see people, um, I don't want to say in a crowd, but in a busy area. And where there is some distance between people, a little bubble will pop up over their head and it'll say what their name is, their age, and where they live. Well, guess what? These protests going on in Wuhan, you don't think they found out who all of these little dissidents are? Where these dissidents live, what their names are? How they can locate them? Because I firmly believe that is what we've seen over there. It had nothing to do with an illness or anything like that. It was a calling of the herd. And have we seen anything more really about protests the past three months over there? No, we haven't. Well, why is that? They rounded up the protesters. Where they imprisoned them, put them to death, whatever they did, that's just what China does. And there are a couple big reasons as to why this whole idea of what was happening there got picked up by the U.S. And they started using a so-called epidemic to their benefit. And maybe I'll get into that later. Uh, Thomas, Keith, did you have anything you want to add to any of that? All really good points, Brian. Um, I guess uh, main the main thing that I would add on right now is that uh, there's a lot of information overflow occurring, and uh, the disillusion just from that is uh, it's a little difficult for people. It's like when you say mute it, turn it off, walk away. Um, people feel as though they're not informed if they just completely 100% walk away. But when they're tapped into it, they're completely oversaturated with different events that are all stacking on top of each other. And so um, I think that it, it really, really, to me, and maybe other people have a different impression or opinion, it feels just like the time just after 9-11 when the news, you turn it on, it was all about sleeper cells, it was all about shoe bombers and different things. And it feels just like that where people are just uh, inundated now with this phase two, um, you know, re recirculation of statistics that show that you have to be accountable for your neighbor. And if you're not accountable, then you're a shitty person and you're also not following the code. And so there's this kind of like dissolution from saturation of information 
But also there's this kind of like uh, holding of two realities inside of your brain where you see all these people protesting out in the streets and then you're required to wear your mask when you go into the so-and-so place. And so there's this kind of like just like you just call it friction there's this general friction taking place inside of people where they're like trying to figure out which reality holds the most uh i don't want to say truth because it's like everybody hopefully is looking for truth not everybody's looking for truth a lot of people are looking for comfort and so they're just looking for the reality that holds the most amount of comfort you know you see people making their choices, you know, based on wearing a mask, participating in these things. Are they getting sucked into some of these subcultures? I don't want to call them cults, but you'll just call them subcultures, wherein your feelings are very strong about a certain thing. Your emotions are what you, you use the word triggered or buttoned. Um, you're switched on. And so, you know, dissolution is at the very bottom of that. And then people getting sucked into these polarity positions is, is the second position. And you know, where is the remedy within all of that? Or where is the cure within all of that? Well, generally speaking, and maybe people will disagree with me on this as well, I don't find a lot of solutions or any of that, anything good coming from times when I'm really emotionally engaged. And so I just ask for people to say, like, how emotionally engaged are you right now? You know, whether you are just an observer or you're somehow engaged in the subcultures that are engaged in all of the uh, tumultuousness that we're seeing in the news. And, you know, the other thing I'd like to bring up is it's like the amount of people that are out there uh shaking fists in the air and taking to property it's such a minuscule amount percentage wise of the greater populace of people media is regurgitating it and it's just what you would use the word as not ad nauseum it's just making it a washing machine in a cycle of it gets you into this paranoid state and that's exactly what happened to people post 9-11. And so they're using this as a fertile, they're, they're making the soil more fertile for change to occur and to be accepted. And so when you hear these slogans about the new normal, what, what are they doing? Well, they're getting you fertilized for the new normal. And, you know, a lot of us that have been studying the law side of things, you know that it's all based on joinder. You know that it's all based on acceptance. You know that it's all based on willful participation. And it's not going to fool us, but we're not part of that majority that's, that's going to be calling ourselves woke to what's going on. It's like we're, we're nauseated by what's going on. We're not woke by what's going on. <laughs> Uh, 
but I'll get off my, my soapbox. I think the, the dissolution right now is at, at a red line. And anybody that I've talked to within my family or my networks, it seems like people are, are nauseated and, and made emotional by a lot of what's going on. And so being able to chit chat with people on a Sunday night with folks that are keeping a more neutral uh, place in the world, it, it's appreciated. Thank you. Well, you brought up a word there, Thomas, uh, you know, you kind of wanted to step away from it, but I think it really should be highlighted. And that is the word culture. And the root word of the word culture is cult. And so think of the culture being observed as a cult. All right. And what's a cult have? A cult has different leaders. Look around, see who the leaders in this culture is. Um, a cult also you know, it has basic principles that it's following or trying to promote. All right. So stop and think about what are these principles trying to be promoted by these, you know, so-called cult leaders in the society. You know, I've, I've pointed people for a long time to uh, check out uh, Yuri uh, Bezmanov. Yuri Bezmanov came to the USA from Russia. He was part of the KGB there. And people need to look at things people are too much stuck in their own little bubble their own little world they need to open up their eyes and take a good overview of everything that's going on and, and look for what those purposes are is what he talked about was that it was all about ideological subversion and ideological subversion came in three stages you know actually four stages and see if any of these even sound familiar the first one was demoralization, all right? Number two was destabilization. Number three was crisis. And number four was normalization. There's your new normal. And I think he laid it out perfectly for people. And so if you look at things with an overview, with those four standards being pushed, to create an ideological subversion, to change the mindset of a society. Uh, those four things stand out unbelievably. I mean, they're, they're just impossible to not see or not recognize. Um, and it, it's been really right in front of our face and people haven't realized it. You know, and that's what he was working on when he was in Russia. It's changing the mindset of the people. And he saw what was being done, and he didn't care for it. He said that this is not a good thing. This is not a positive influence for the people. And that's why he came to the USA. You know, he heard about all the freedom here and how awesome it was and everything like that. Yeah, that's the fluff. He came here, and he looked around, and he said, oh, my God, the United States is 40 years ahead of Russia on this program. And we are now seeing the fruits of their labor and the fruits of their you know destabilization the fruits of their ideological subversion and people need to recognize that and a, a lot of these things i'm sorry they're not as sexy and as fun as a lot of these little processes out there of you know signing a stamp at a 45 degree angle or putting your red thumbprint on something give you know giving away your biological data <laughs> it, 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 it it's not all this 
fun childish stuff like that. And now what we're doing, we're looking at the real world, what's really going on, all right, and being able to identify these markers when we see them. That's what people need to be doing. I don't know if Keith is still with us or not. I haven't checked out the board. He's probably in the chat. I know he throws a lot of info in the chat for people. I recommend. Yep, he is. <laughs> You're accounted for, he says. All right, cool. If you have anything you want to add, Keith, uh, feel free to do so. Um, otherwise, I could go into a couple of the things that are really going on that this is a cover for. Um, and those, you know, arrests of dissidents in China, that's not even one of them. Uh, to me, that is uh, fluff that's just under the main fluff. <laughs> Gets a little deeper. All right. So I'll go a little deeper into what's happening. Uh, see, Money Mike's got his hand up. Um, I'm going to open up the board here probably, hopefully no more than 10 minutes from now, uh, Money Mike. And I will bring you up first in line. First in line, first in time. Right, brother? All right. So the past uh, couple of years, something I've been researching and looking at, uh, well, let me say I'm not going to go to that one first. That's secondary. More important, but secondary. Um, something I've been showing for about nine or ten months now is if you go back and look at, like, the 08 uh, TARP bailout, which I believe was uh, $700 billion or something like that for the banks. And a lot of people freaked out. I brought this up before. These are two things that are happening behind the scenes that you're not going to see in mainstream media too much, if at all. But it needed a cover. And this has been a beautiful cover for it. Um, the, those start bailouts, a lot of people freaked out about the amount of money being given to the banks. And... Starting in second week of September last year, the banks started deciding that they didn't have too much faith in the system. They didn't have faith in the other banks. Uh, I think a lot of people are aware of the status of Deutsche Bank and what's been happening with them. Uh, they are a very huge player as far as the global scheme goes. I use that word global kind of loosely. But anyway. And so the banks, as people should know by now, if you've, you know, research banking, they, they really, they need to zero out at the end of the day, um, at the end of their business day. Um, their business day might be 6 a.m. Monday till 6 a.m. Tuesday. It might be their 24-hour banking day. But they've got to zero out at the end of their banking day, uh, which means all their debits and credits need to align. Um and so what they would do is they would be given each other small overnight loans. Uh, it's called a repurchase loan. And they decided 
like the second week of September last year, that they didn't have faith in each other. They might not get that money back. So what they started doing is, one, either they would charge the borrowing bank interest rates anywhere from 8 10 as high as 15%. That's a lot of money for an overnight loan on a few million bucks, you know, for the various banks, different agreements being done. And so, you know, these banks couldn't afford these interest rates they're charging each other. It's ridiculous. Number one, under real law, you're not supposed to be charging each other interest. But anyway, um, so what they were doing is they were going to the Federal Reserve. And last numbers I heard a couple weeks ago was somewhere around $7 trillion has been lent out by the Federal Reserve. Do you think that that can happen without an impact? Um at the time of like the 08 TARP bailout, that happened, I believe it was in September as well. By December, the housing bubble burst. And there was serious economic contraction. All right. And so when I saw this happening last September, and this was only supposed to continue to October 15th. Well, I'm sorry. When you make somebody dependent on you, there is no end. You, you can't shake them. You, you can't shake that beggar from your ankle. It doesn't work. So those bailouts have still continued and are continuing today. And that has a huge economic impact. Well, what can be done about a situation where there's a huge economic impact? Um, the first big one, real big one, happened back in the 30s. And what did they do? They did a banker's holiday. They literally locked the doors on the banks because that's where the transactions were occurring. Deposits, um, credits, whatever. It, money was being transferred in out directly at the bank itself. Okay. Now, today, the difference is, is that the major transactions aren't happening at the bank counter. They're happening with debit cards, credit cards, etc., so instead of doing the old-fashioned banker's holiday where you actually lock the doors because that's a time where everybody threw their arms up, everybody freaked out, and they preferred people not freak out about that. So why not have an exterior situation going on that people can freak out about but still accomplish the same thing? And they accomplish the same thing by shutting down businesses, shutting down restaurants, shutting down stores, uh, very, very limited stores. You had to be labeled, you know, that you were something that the society depended on. You had to be an important business. I'm not going to use their trigger word for it. And so what did that do? That shut down transactions. That actually created a banker's holiday without having to physically lock the bank doors. But to a degree, even the bank doors were locked. If you wanted to conduct any business at the bank, you had to call, make an appointment. I don't know how many banks I've seen where I see these people social distancing, you know, lined up every six feet or seven, eight feet apart from each other in front of the bank, waiting for their turn to go in for their appointment to do their banking, you know. Um, and I think that's kind of hilarious. You know, nowadays, a 
a pirate would be very confused seeing all these X's all over the place. You know, <laughs> X marks the spot. Okay. But anyway, uh, that was one of the major things going on that had to be done. Uh, the economic situation needed a serious contraction, a big contraction. If you look up contractions, you'll find that they happen like clockwork every 10 years. You go back to 2010, you're going to see one. 2000, you're going to see one. Uh, 1990, you're going to see one. 1990 was under Obama. There was a contraction that occurred. Um, 1980 under Reagan, uh, there was a contraction that occurred. Go back to early 70s with uh, Ford and Nixon, there was a contraction that occurred. This is part of this debt-based system that is based on expanding and contracting, expanding and contracting. It gives out, and then it sucks it all back in again for itself. Then it expands out, and it sucks it all back in for itself. And uh, the only one that wins is the one that is sucking everything back in. And that's what happens with a contraction. And that's why this system is set up this way uh, with this debt-based system, um, with this fractionalized lending. Uh, that, that way there's really only going to be one entity that profits at the end. Uh, second situation going on that I've seen for a couple of years now. Um, today in the markets, you notice that Asia is buying up wheat like crazy as much as possible. And it's like, wheat? Why would they buy wheat? Asia, when it comes to grains, they use rice. If you go back a couple years ago and looked at what was happening with Asia with their wheat crisis, you say, well, why were they worried about wheat? Well, they really weren't. Well, they were, but they weren't. If you look at what they were talking about and what their real crisis was, um, Asia was ticked off because they had a shortage of whiskey. They were going through a huge whiskey shortage. And their powers that be that threw their fluff out there for it said, oh, it was because of a movie that was made where people couldn't get whiskey anymore. And so everybody went out and bought all the whiskey off the store shelves. That's why it was. No, what it was, it was they were seeing the signs of the beginning of the grand solar minimum at that time. And these grand solar minimums have happened through history over and over and over again. If you look at the dynasties of China, when they rose and fell, rose and fell, the different dynasties, they perfectly coordinate two different eras of grand solar minimums. Grand solar minimum comes in, the crops don't yield very well. So what do the people think? You know, especially back then. Oh, the gods must be angry at this dynasty. We got to get rid of them. They bring in a new dynasty. Oh, about that time, the minimum's over. Things are getting better again. Everybody's living a little more lavishly. They've got more food. And, you know, then and that family is in rule for 100 years or whatever. Then another grand solar minimum comes in. Oh, well, we got to get rid of this dynasty. It's just amazing how the dynasties with Asia totally follow these uh, grand solar minimums as they've been recorded. And this can even go back to the times of Joseph. You know, when he was in charge of doling out the wheat 
uh, for the king to the different people. Yeah, if you go really in scripture and look at it and see what it says, it says that this famine was global. It said it affected the whole world. It wasn't regional. And the Grand Solar Minimum is the same way. Um, starting about a year and a half ago, farmers in America were saying that they foresaw only probably getting a 40% yield off their crops. Well, if you know how the farmers work in America, 40% um, yield, yeah, they're not going to stay in business. A lot of these people, you look at the farmers today, nobody goes into farming, you know, on a whim. They don't grow up, you know, they're not in high school thinking, you know, I'm going to go to college, I want to learn how to become a farmer. And it just doesn't really happen. People enter farming either through marriage, a man or a woman marries into a farming family, you know, or it's handed down to them. It's inherited from their fathers, you know. Dad dies or can't work the farm anymore. I guess what the farm is turned over to the son or the sons. Um, down here in Florida, we got Six L's Ranch. It's a tomato ranch. Uh, the brothers are all named, you know, a name that starts with L, you know, Larry, Lawton, Leo. That's just the way it works. It goes according to the family. And these people do it out of love. Uh, they do it out of wanting to help their community. Uh, they're doing it because it's something that's in their blood. Farming isn't something people choose. And so when you're looking at Across the earth, farmers, especially if you look at just above the 45th parallel, um, that these farmers are saying, we don't know what we're going to do. Uh, you can see footage right now of acres of onions piled 10 feet high, rotting in a field. Why? Because restaurants were all shut down. There's a break in the supply chain. Those products weren't needed. Uh, what do you think that's going to do to those farmers? They've been operating on a shoestring as it is. They do this because it's in their blood. They do this because it's a love they have. It, it's just part of who they are and what they are. And so what's going to happen now if you look six months or a year in the future? I've already seen signs of this in the grocery store. I recommend anybody. If yeah, you are a normal grocery shopper, you know, you get groceries kind of the normal way, you know, you don't eat nothing but fast food. Um, go to your store and look at the bean aisle. The area where dried beans was at used to be about 20 feet long. Uh, last store I went into was about 5 feet long and it was only about 20% stocked. It was about 80% empty. Pay attention to things like that. Look, look at the bread aisle. I've noticed that the breads, the specialty breads, the wheats, the grains, the rice, those sections have gone from being 10 feet long, 10, 15 feet long, down to maybe 5 feet long. And they don't cover like all seven shelves of that section. They only cover three or four of the shelves. Now you're seeing all that white styrofoam bread, wonder bread and stuff being sold. So signs of this have already happened. And at the same time, these wheats and grains that they're having a hard time uh, producing, it doesn't just go to our food. 
These are also used for dog food, cat food. Watch the prices on those products. It's also used for uh, calves, cattle, your lamb, your chickens, etc. Look at the prices of the meats, those of you that eat red meat or whatever. Look at what those prices are doing. Uh, hamburger right now, on the average, is about seven and a half bucks a pound. I remember when you could buy a T-bone steak for that price. And so what's going to happen when the crunch really comes down and people start seeing it and start complaining? They're going to point their finger back to this other 2020 boogeyman and say, this is what created it. You know, this is why you need to wear a mask. <laughs> if you don't wear a mask, you don't care about other people. And you might not have bread tomorrow. <laughs> Those are the things that's really happening behind the scenes that this is nothing but a smokescreen for. Because if people paid attention to those things, one, if people paid attention to their banking and what's happening there, they could lose faith in the financial system. That would be a more serious collapse. If mankind looked at the grand solar minimum and looked in history and see how this works, they might stop and say, oh, wait a minute. Maybe government isn't God. Maybe there is another bigger creator out there. Maybe things are done to kind of maybe thin the herd or thin the weak every hundred years or so. And gosh, you can't unseat, you know, the big G government off from the most holy throne that they've usurped. No, no, no. <laughs> anyway, so those are the things that I've looked at behind the scenes. I, I don't know, Thomas, if you've paid attention to any of those, or, or you, Keith, and uh, I'm sure you guys have your own perspectives on that as well. You're welcome to hear. Great points. Um, I had to kind of lay it out for someone who leads a life that keeps them out of the, the news cycle and out of the little river of, of disillusion that, that the media knew. A farmer would. A lot of times, farmers you'll see that they just kind of have to be out doing their work and so they don't have time to pay attention and so I'm explaining it to them and I'm trying to tell them it's like the American government the United States government doesn't even exist like you think it does anymore because the executive branch gave its power over to this federal emergency management system and so the administration is taken over by them to, to kind of uh, bring the, the tidal wave of federal uh, agency bureaucracy to all 50 states. But then on the financial side, you've got this entity called BlackRock, which is taking over the Treasury and the Federal Reserve relationship with the Treasury to create a completely new system and the amount of money that's being helicoptered out to corporations, to banks, to, you know, uh, entities that kind of ride the hybrid railroad of 
you know, government contractor world where it's like they make a product, but it's really only a product that the government consumes, you know, that stuff like that, that, you know, there's just this gobs and gobs of money getting faucetted out to these entities right now. And so and call it a contraction, but it's, it's literally quantitative easing happening at a, at a mega, uh, I don't know. Um, um, it's, it's like more money than we've ever seen in our existence without order amount seen in our existence. So the rubber band effect is going to happen. It's just a matter of time. And so everybody's got to be kind of just looking at, is this a cover to keep everybody distracted from this grapes of wrath? Uh, situation that's going to make everyone dependent on the government or is this just a little um, prelude to what you know if you look back in history what they did to the Soviet Union when the Soviet Union was looking like it's about to dissolve into all the many countries that it was beforehand but to dissolve all of its uh, companies that it had built up and it just got it got like you know just taken out by predation the oligarchs came in and picked up stuff at you know nickels and dimes on the dollar and so we're starting to see things in america get devalued by the big wrinkle in the economy and so they can get snatched up by these you know mega mega wealthy individuals who are looking to speculate on what they are are once the new economy establishes itself and so there's there's all of these little got planks of situation and you've got kind of taking you into a direction that are not really it's not that it's not truth it might hold a portion of truth but it's triggering amount of motion in you and then taking you on a trip that keeps you from realizing these bigger, bigger schemes that are taking place. And, you know, I've, I've seen in my, at least in my own family, people that are generally very dependable, very reasonable, very pragmatic, very down to earth, very calm under fire. You know, people that have even done multiple tours of duty and, and under, under battle. And even they're not picking up on the various planks that are taking place right now and the level of seriousness that really people would have an attitude towards if they could see it all at one time. And so that's where, you know, people either got to deflect it or they got to accept it. And out of self-preservation, they'll deflect it, you know, and that's where if you're the person trying to be the messenger, you'll get uh, flamed. You'll kind of get that that very angered, fear-based personification out of them because they're preserving something inside of them. You know, it's like a running from the reality that makes them, forces them to have to accept a whole bunch of other stuff. You know, and for some of these people, they're old enough that that means accepting JFK, 
you know, that they're weapons of man. You know, there's no way for planes and their jet fuel to bring down buildings. You know, they have to accept all these things. And so it's just a cascade of disillusionment. And be gentle with them, you know, if they're in your own family, if they're in your neighborhood, if they're in your communities, if they're in your social cliques. Just be gentle with them because right now everybody's walking around with this backpack full of emotion as it is. So you might just be triggering something that is got a whole bunch of other stuff that's not even related to that or related to you or related to anything really. But they're carrying it around, you know, because they've been swimming in the the media. They've been swimming in the the news and, and all of the collective thought forms that are making it enforces you to, to carry that emotional burden and uh, got to be gentle with them. You know, it's like a, a struggle sometimes. Yeah. You know, one of the hardest things for anybody is to accept that they've believed something that was a lie and that they've accepted a lie. That's one of the hardest things, you know, for people to, you know, accept. It, it reminds me of, you know, a fight between a boyfriend and girlfriend or a husband and a wife. And it, you have this heated fight. And, you know, one, two, three hours into it, if they were to stop and say, what are we really fighting about? Uh, odds are neither would even really even remember. And the reason why is because it was emotions. Emotions kicked in. It triggered other things, like you said, Thomas. And it just escalates and escalates. And eventually, they don't even remember what the original situation was even about. You know. Uh, let me jump over and break money Mike in since he's had his hand up. Hey, money Mike. How you doing, brother? Hello, 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 Brian. Hello, Trey. Hello, everybody out there. Um, um, would you agree, possibly, that the written word is better at this moment, uh, due to the fact that uh, uh, once we start speaking, uh, it, I wouldn't say so much about trigger words, but it's just about the uh, response of the others that uh, perceive how we're speaking. Uh, could it be that uh, the written words right now are the only best way to go about this? I think there's a lot of strength in written word, um, but I think there's been a weakness created to the written word, uh, especially the past 20 years. And that is that I've noticed a lot that whenever somebody makes a comment or whatever, um, the other party automatically assumes that they're coming after them. Like they're being attacked, you know what I mean? Uh, especially when I see conversations between a couple people, and I know one of those individuals very, very well. Automatically comes on the default. Hello? 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 You there, Brian? Hello? Brian? Hello. He might have received a moment. All right, that's fine. Um, all right, I'll hang tight. Uh, I'll wait, and then uh, 
let's uh let's see if we can keep the call going i guess um yeah i see where you come from brian on that but um um uh, anybody else has an opinion i i see a couple uh people still open here uh thomas and uh oh, can you go and read his oh, written word in brian? his peer review papers yeah brian yeah brian you were cut off for about uh 20 or 30 seconds can you can you can you possibly uh backtrack it at all if possible all right yeah yeah i'll try and do that uh i, I think one of the problems with the written word is that so many people think that the response they're getting is an attack on them and they automatically go on the defensive you know what i mean uh, and like i said i've seen this when i've known the parties that are having the conversation i know it's being met and I know they're not being attacked. I know what they're trying to say. But people seem to always go to this emotional response. You know, in, in, in Scripture, it said for the woman to stay silent in church. To me, I don't think it was talking about sex. It, you've got your emotional mind and you've got your more clinical mind. And I think what was being said is keep your emotions at bay. You know what I mean? Pay attention. Weigh things. Weigh the truth. Yeah. Yeah. Don't let the emotion take over. Yeah, because um, cause, um, I'll tell you what. Um, even though I may have an agreement with you on that, um, the very second that I thought that 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 my mind uh, subconsciously agreed to it, and then I I wanted to say it right away. Now, granted, it could be technically an outburst or an interruption. Uh, I mind myself at that very moment might not realize it's emotional, even though I'm on the intellectual level when I'm when I'm agreeing with yourself or any you know or with with any kind of um, with any kind of directive that uh, you you follow. Um, uh, the bottom line is we, we got to try to stay uh, um, try to keep ourselves uh, controlled to a to a possibility where, where, where we can at least allow um, um, either the main speaker or whoever speaks of these thoughts to 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 get their thought out first, and you know this this is yeah. of utmost importance. Um, that is true. Yeah, you know, and the problem is, I think a lot of times is that people don't listen to hear what's being said. They listen so they can respond. And um, as far as like the written word goes, one of the things I, I brought up, I think when I was cut off, is you look at Dr. Fraudsy, as I call him. Here a few months ago, he was saying, oh, 2.2 million people are going to die. Okay, this is what he's saying on the microphone in front of people and triggering people's emotions. Go to the peer-reviewed white papers of what he said among other doctors the day before. The day before, in the New England Journal of Medicine, he said, this is nothing more than the mere seasonal flu. Well, how do you say that one day, and then in front of everybody else, you're, you're spouting a complete lie? Well, it's because what you're saying out there, all these other people, they're hearing you say it, the people that read your paper, they're hearing you say it, the other doctors and stuff. They're all kind of in on the scam. And, if, you know, people want to think, well, what scam? Well, 
look at how much money gets brought in by the hospitals, whether it is from somebody that's diagnosed, somebody that's admitted, or somebody that actually dies, supposedly from this. A friend of mine, is kind of funny, a friend of mine um, a couple days ago told me that their uncle just died in a car accident. And um, the hospital said that they, hey, the hospital said, yeah. Um, oh, sorry. Uh, hey, Brian. Uh, I think um, I think Brian was trying to un, uh, trying to speak to. Um, I will gladly yield back um, if um, I have a mute button on my end. Uh, but if he still wishes to open a dialogue, that's fine. But uh, I, I'm going to mute back on my uh, microphone. And uh, if you still wish to mute me on your end, that's fine. But uh, everything's copacetic. So uh, hopefully hopefully he gets gets in because I know he's having trouble trying to stay on. But uh, if he gets in, uh, uh, that, that, that's fine. That's fine. No, everything on my end shows it's fine. Do you hear me? Okay. Yeah, I hear you. Uh, I hear you. Uh, let's see. I don't know if um, I don't know pH. pH keeps coming in and out. Uh, that, I, I guess that's Trey. I hear a delay. Delay. But I I I'll look at the board. I didn't know Trey was with us. But yeah, I just want to say, as far as written word, written word is important. Because when you've got a doctor saying 2.2 million people are going to die, read what he writes. He writes and says this is nothing more than a mere common seasonal flu. So people need to pay attention. Pay attention to what people are really saying among themselves compared to what they're saying when they're in the limelight. Spreading fear. That, to me, is a perfect example. Yeah, let me look at the board see if Trey's here with us. And I said I'll open this up, I guess, so... If anybody wants to bring up anything, they're more than welcome to. Um, and if you're not speaking, just keep yourself muted out to prevent background noise because you can hear a gnat fart on these calls. <laughs> Believe it or not, the tiniest things come through. And so uh, just keep yourself muted out if you're not speaking, and I'll unmute everybody. And just let us know uh, who you are. And that way people can familiarize themselves with you. All right. Conversation mode on. Everyone can be heard. Unmuted. All right. All lines are unmuted right now. If anybody wants to bring anything up, feel free. Uh, I see Keith. It looks like he's having a hard time getting in and out. Probably internet connection. I'm evidently experiencing the same thing here, annoyingly. Oh, I think there he is right there. Yeah, he's uh yeah, he's been having problems trying to get back in and out, yeah. Uh keep trying, uh Trey. Yeah, Keith, you're unmuted on this end, everybody is. Or is Keith. All right, sorry. There he is. Finally. Hey. 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 All right. <laughs> there you are. There you are, brother. Hey, we've got storms going on here, and I don't know if it's that or what, but it's been off and on all night. Got 5G storms? There's <laughs> <laughs> something going on. You know, 5G is an, another good thing to bring up, actually, because I see even in, you know, people always throw that and everything. Oh, it's 5G. we got to stop 5G. 
So I say the same thing with that that I say with the virus, with anything else. Go research it. Because there's actually white papers written between scientists as regarding uh, how 5G works or Wi-Fi works. Um, and th they explain it in good detail. Um, forgive me for interrupting, but I just realized some two of uh, smart meters. Uh, they emit a lot of radiation, too, similar to possibly 5G. So we probably had 5G a long time before 5G came, came along. Ain't it? Well, the well, 5G is actually something new. What it is, and everybody says, oh, 5G is operating at uh, 60 gigahertz. And at 60 gigahertz, it gets into the cellular level. It gets into the water in your body, and it causes you to not be able to absorb oxygen and this and that. Okay. 5G uh, is also called broadband. Okay. And it's called broadband because it operates on 25 different channels. The 25th channel, the very top channel, which is used the least and has the least amount of applicability for users, is the only one that operates at 60 gigahertz. The rest of them operate all at much lower frequencies. Now, I'm not saying that... that EMF or any frequency is good. No, they're all bad. But I, I see a lot of things in articles and on YouTube and stuff like that saying that, oh, 5G operates at 60 gigahertz. No, it doesn't. Only one of its 25 channels operates at that. So you can't blanket the whole thing with that. And when I hear different people, there, there's some people that that's all they talk about is 5G and 60 gigahertz. When you're seeing that, that shows you right off that whoever's espousing that has not even researched it. All right. And those same people don't give their resources for their information. They're just no better than the talking heads that you see on PMSNBC. That's it. Anyway. Love it. Love it. Love it. To comprehend uh, 5G, we got to realize it's a radio frequency. It's pre-existent. It's just a matter of how we discovered it as man and learned how to use it, how to apply it. I'd like 5G. Huh? Well, let happened? Keith let let Keith continue with what he's saying there. When we comprehend 5G, realize, guys, they're already researching 8G. And when we comprehend 5G compared to 1G, 1G is a nice, gentle radio wave like this. As we go up in Gs, we go up in height in the valleys. But the strength of the wave is still the same. In, in regards to the strength of the wave, we mean the length. So a 3G, a 1G wave will carry a long way. A 5G wave has to be particularly pointed because it only travels such a short distance because its valleys ups and downs are so much greater. Once it hits that screen, 
on your house, on every window and most doors, and all the metal, the copper plumbing and the wiring in your house acts just like an antenna and picks it up, but dissipates it. It takes its strength away, and then it merely becomes like a antenna wave like you have on the old resistor radios. Oh, okay. So, um, on that note, um, is uh, any of the Gs better than 5G, or like, is 5G actually okay, better than the other Gs, like 1, 2, 3, 4G? I mean, if I was able to get one of the lesser Gs, uh, uh, would, would like, say, 2 or 3G be better? Or, you know, because... You know, see where I'm coming another from. Thing, another thing we have to comprehend about the uh, the radio waves is, like Brian was talking about earlier, it depends on their their uh, the elements of their strength and everything, and it comes out as a matter of balance. Depends on how long you expose yourself to one G. First getting a phone and first getting into it and talking on a twenty four seven, even at one G, isn't real good. But it's certainly right. not as bad as 5G. Yeah. But at the same time, that's why we see the people that are um, installing it getting the cancer and not necessarily the people that only use the phone once in a while. It's right. still present. And so yeah. your body reacts to it differently. It's just like a cancerous agent. Your body can fend off that, that cancerous agent if you yeah. keep your health. But if you bombard it so much where you can't keep up that healthy attitude, then your body um, will succumb. Um, on that note also, um, like, granted, I'm keeping my health as best as possible, but um, the place that I work at, there is, an, there is a university right next to me or some kind of school, and there is a tower up there. And I'm not sure if that's whatever G is up there, but there's some stuff coming from there. Uh, I don't know if I'm feeling it or not, but uh, there was a time you know, I I did get sick and uh, I stayed home for a couple of days. Thank God I stayed home. Uh, but um, if people thought that was, you know, and and, and I hope uh, that didn't cause it. But I mean, radiation poisoning. Oh my God. Um. um Mike. Mike, let me explain this. Uh, two different points to this, okay? Uh, yeah. The, the first is like an exoteric uh, explanation. The other one is esoteric. All right. As far as an exoteric explanation, as far as the Gs go, and one being safer than another, yeah, you're going to find the lower ones could be safer than the other ones. And let me give you the explanation of why. Um Say, for instance, you look at like 1, 2, 3, 4G, they exponentially get worse as they get greater. And it can be best explained or looked at, and since it's called weaponized, this is weaponized technology, okay, let's look at it as a weapon. If you have a rifle, think of a rifle as 1G. I am shooting from here to 100 yards away, and I'm going to hit one little point. Okay. Now, okay. as you go up, say you're in 5G, which uses 25 different channels, which means it can affect 25 different things that that rifle didn't affect. 
think of it as a shotgun. Now oh, you're shooting okay. a shotgun. It doesn't have the velocity to go as far, but the things it does come in contact with, it has multiple different uh, reactions that things can have to it, as kind opposed like a, to something I, with... Kind of like a shotgun right, to a right. field of ducks. Yeah. Great analogy. Now, think about this as well, to get into... Uh, a more esoteric look at it. You go into scripture and different things that happen in scripture. You're talking about, you know, a, a building near you. And, you know, this really affects people that are in the cities, places that are sucking in more of this technology. Okay. And you go back in scripture and look at different things that happened, whether it was Lot and his wife or other places. And what was the creator telling people? Get out of the town. Get out of the city. Head for the hills. In, in the book of Revelation, it even says, when the great and terrible day comes, uh, pray that it's not on a Sunday or a holiday. You know what I mean? I mean pray that it's, it's not in the winter. Yeah. yeah. Pray that it's not in yeah. winter so your travel is easy. Get out of there. Get out of these places. Um, one place that would be very important to get out of right now, Seattle, Washington. Hello, leave. It's going yeah, south. Yeah, definition. Yeah, definition of esoteric uh, interior from within. Yeah, very simple definition from Webster's 1828 dictionary. Beautiful. And and esoteric esoteric things are also things that are kind of hidden. They're underlying. The exoteric. It's the fluff. That's the stuff you see on the outside. The the things that should be obvious. All right, dead air. <laughs> I'm right here. I'm good. I'm good. No, that was Sorry. that was good. That was good. Sorry, it's my fault. I see it. Yeah, yeah anybody else have anything they wanted to bring up? We had a pause for the calls. Somebody put here in the comments says, "Tell us a little bit about 8G and how humans are connected or helping the uh, 8G." What Can I want I to point out, here, point out here. Go ahead, Keith. When we come to thinking about um, different things than weaponized versions, I want to realize that when we expand into further development of things that we actually fear like this 5G, we have to realize that there's, there's the possibilities that this might be the technology that was used in the past to create these wonders of the world. Um, imagine 8G possibly being a uh, even even considered a weaponized version, but in a version where it's like a torch that literally melts rock so we can reform it the way we wish. You know, it's 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 the possibilities there that are available that we're fearing ourselves out of by not knowing the true knowledge of it. And that's why I say it's important to comprehend the difference between 1G and how much we um, uh, encompass that in our life and how much we are affected by it by keeping aware of it, by knowing it, and knowing the difference between that and 5G. The same with knowing the difference between 5G and 8G. It's a new new thing coming up because it's, it's an expanded knowledge of what we're already learning 
we're going to continue learning it. We're not just going to stop. Just like gene splicing and cloning and everything else, we're not going to just stop. That's just stupid thinking. So we have to realize it is part of our future, and we have to think about the better things to use it for more than the weaponized things. We have to create that smoother wave, that smoother balance. Keith, Keith, I'm glad you brought up gene splicing and cloning uh, because, you know, when you're talking about 8G, we're skipping over something. We, right now, there are so many people that are all worried about this 5G thing. The plans are already in place for 6G. Now, we know if you study the esoteric, like we brought up, everything that is done is flipped upside down and backwards on everybody. So if you go and look at 6G, instead of saying 6G, think G6. Think Genesis 6. And what happened in Genesis 6? Genesis 6 was a messing around with the DNA. It was a splicing of people, splicing of humans and animals, a splicing of DNA of animals. And this was something that greatly upset the creator. And what is big time on the agenda right now? It's for cloning. It's for gene splicing. It's for you and your quote-unquote soulmate being able to go in and look at a catalog and pick out the baby you want to have. That's exactly what's happening. And so I, I think, and there's, uh, there's websites already set up discussing 6G or G6. I like and this one. What their plans really are. This one has a little too much yellow hair. Yeah, I see where it's coming from. That, that's the direction society is moving in. That's the direction society is moving in. Uh, listen to Elon Musk. Look at the things he's writing about and talking about. They are talking about integrating technology into your DNA. And I'm, I'm sorry, but the things just aren't really heading in a good direction. And that's why I totally espouse abjuring the realm. Leaving the realm, which is very easy to do nowadays. That means you don't have to pack your bags and jump in a car or get on a boat and go somewhere else. No, because the realm they've created is digital. It's a fake overlay. Get out of the fake overlay. Unplug from it. No, I hate to say, once you unplug from it, there's not going to be too many people you have to talk to. Because <laughs> everybody's plugged in, and they're willing participants. They're happy to be part of E Pluribus Unum, out of many, one. When they see you, yeah, they, they see the pedophile, the drug user, uh, they see the addict. Yeah. So in court, when the judge says you, who do you think you're talking to? They're talking to plural. You as in everybody, e pluribus unum. You are a dread of society. <laughs> Unless you uh, correct that presumption. Anyway.
This process is brought to you by Mutual of Omaha. Right. Anyway. <laughs> hey, Brian. Yeah, hey, Brian. Mutual of Omaha. What, what animal do you want to be when you reincarnate? <laughs> yeah. I kind of miss Wild Kingdom. But anyway, um, question. Um, I might possibly want to um, uh, restart my calls. Uh, what are the possibilities of either you yourself, Brian, or uh, Keith, or whoever else uh, wishes to um, be a guest on my call when I reopen them? Well, I I I can't put uh, words in Keith's mouth, but I'm I'm sure he would show up, and you know, depending on when you do it, yeah, I'd be, I'd be happy to show up. I, you know, here's something that I I really pound on right now. I think we are at a very, very serious time in history. This is a big time in history. Uh, providing things exist 100 years from now, it'll be looked back at as being a big time of change for those that look at it correctly. And so that this is a time that everybody really needs to get together. We're not going to believe every little detail or agree on every little detail, and we shouldn't. We absolutely shouldn't. We should be individual in our thoughts and our own self-determination. But this is a time where, yeah, we join together on, on different calls and things like that. And uh, we try to lock in the fold so we're not so dispersed. That's my view. We, we become keepers of the knowledge by spreading it. Absolutely. Keepers by spreading? Yeah, we are keepers of the knowledge by spreading it. Okay. Nobody can erase it from the record if everybody knows it. Yeah, 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 that makes sense. Yeah. Beginning with word. You were, you were talking okay. about that earlier when it comes down to written language over type language. When, when you get down to the, to the fact that you can walk into any venue any jurisdiction any parcel that somebody else wants to define in any way they wish to use to describe it and you speak the truth then there's not much to rebut is there oh that just uh gave me a slight epiphany on that too when you said that uh check this out there was a previous talk to caller that's no longer with us um she used to follow the common law of carl lentz um, but then her, her, her interpretation of that common law is uh, what's written and unwritten, and then she says what's that's, written. That's that's not fair, brother. You can't tell us her. You can't tell us her definition of it, brother. Sorry. No, no, no. Just to make I'm a only, point I'm here. I'm only expressing what she said. Uh, and 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 I, and when I said that, I'm just trying to see, like, if 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 you see uh, where where. Um, um, oh God. Um, I was you can feel free. You can feel free to bring up her name. I I know several years ago she was on Angela Stark's calls quite often. Yeah, Aquila. Aquila. Yeah. Uh, yeah. She. Um. I mean. I mean. Granted. I mean. Granted. Her method. You know. Did for her. And blah blah blah. But. Um. Uh, but if you see where I'm coming from. But. Um. Oh, um. Oh, shit. Now I forgot what I was going to say. But, um, 
you know, I, I hope you see where I'm coming from because like, you know, it, it was kind of like it, um, apparently it was within also with, uh, what was supposedly within, uh, um, what was written within the Bible or something like that. Uh, it's written in your heart or something. It's in your heart. Right. It's the, the yeah, true like law is written in your heart, and it's simply to follow yeah. a couple That's simple concepts, and that is uh, basically all religions take, uh, teach the same concept, and that is to, to do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Yeah. This, yeah, that's this one concept, this one concept pretty much covers the whole thing about honor thy mother or honor thy father and honor thy mother, love thy neighbor as thyself and and uh, love thy father with all thy heart, body and soul. And so long as someone follows that way, they have fulfilled the law. And he says the law is already written in your heart. And that's how simple it is. So when it comes to you know common, common law, ecclesiastical uh, law, legislative law, it all comes down to a matter of equity, and the best form of equity is being able to speak it from your heart. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that I've found, yeah. and yeah. I think it's one of the rabbit holes that a lot of people see, is the whole common law thing. What I've found is that many people totally confuse common law for natural law. They think they're one and the same, and they're not. And the natural law is what's written in your heart. The common law, yeah. The is, natural law, yeah. The natural law for sure is definitely is something like you know it's like uh, if somebody's doing wrong to you, you gotta you gotta correct something right away uh, uh, from yourself to that person who's doing to that man or woman who is doing you wrong, and try to come to a compromise or whatever. And yeah, I see where you're coming from with that for sure. Uh, but Common law in general is just of 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 a uh, group a group of people that have a common um, common uh, um, I guess consensus. logical process yeah, yeah. A logical process yeah logical yeah 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 a logical process depend depending on their community and society and what their common reactions are and common thoughts are. And the common thoughts and reactions here in, say, USA or on Canada or Australia are not the same common thoughts or reactions that people may have in other countries like Saudi Arabia or Turkey. Well, let me point out here, guys, too. We have to realize something here that almost every other country was developed on a religious background, whereas the America that we know today was born upon a corporate status. It wasn't until 1982, I believe, Reagan instituted that the Bible was the law, regardless what anybody else had said or conferred or implied or presumed or assumed prior. It wasn't actually written in a law until 1982 when Reagan did it. Imagine that. Well, that's when Christianity supposedly was brought in, but I would argue that I firmly believe that the U.S., uh, was created as a religious system from the get-go. If you go to Cornwallis, General Cornwallis, at the time of the Revolutionary War, he said that people will look back and finally realize that this was and is a religious war. And that, in the end, you are in service of the freaking crown. 
right. so and, and I agree. And I agree. And this this is proven there as well, um, because the the uh, Constitution and the uh, Independent uh, Declaration of Independence, Articles of Confederation, those are all formed per the Bible. They image all everything in them images things in the Bible. And again, it's a process. And like I said before, people, most of these countries all follow the similar process. And how, how many people have studied the antebellum uh, period of the United States of America? Antebellum period existed between 1812, right after the Spanish War, up through the beginning of the Civil War, uh, circa 1860, 1861. Antebellum. You look up the word bellum. Bellum means a religious war. Now, when you're hearing BLM, 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 Black Lives Matter, BLM, Bellum, Bellum, it's a religious war that's being brought on, being rejuvenated. Funny part is every, funny part is every time I see BLM, I mean, I know it's Black Lives Matter, but the very second I see the words BLM, uh, for some odd reason, that L in the middle, it just reminds me of the word liberation. Well, L is gods. Subconsciously. Uh, the L are gods. You've got electricity, elevator, elevate, um, electors, elections. Uh, L is in everything. Uh, look at the archangels. Elemental. Look at the arc. Yeah, look, governmental, look at the archangels. Arch are rulers. The ruling angels. L. Mike L. Gabriel L. Their names all end with L. They are of God. L. Luminate. Yeah, electricity. Yeah, yeah something like yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. Electricity. And now you look L at electricity. Yeah, you look at electricity, and now now we're getting back to 5G, 6G <laughs> frequencies. I'm, I'm, yeah, yeah. Frequencies, Amazing. frequencies of the L. You know, and you know what? Like that also just gave me another epiphany. There was a there was a there was a famous internet discussion from someone. Uh, no one knows who this person is, but that uh, this person, I don't know if it was a he or she, but somebody he, knows. Indicated, he indicated, or she, I'm just going to say he for uh, uh, for sake, that just not just words, but even letters, also not just spoken, but printed words can... Um, can emit a certain frequency. They absolutely do. No, they yeah. absolutely do. I'll give you an example. Nodding. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 I'll give you an example of that. Uh, um, my middle name is Glenn. Okay, it's a G. Well, all of these, all, all of these little letters we see. You, know, you hear about people like writing letters. You know, well. It's the letter itself. The letter itself means something. Um, if you go back to 
oh, I'm trying to think of that Corinthians or whatever. That I'm gonna see. Were, if, I'm gonna see if the word. Uh, I'm gonna see if the word letter is in this dictionary here. Go ahead. They, they were redeveloping language. Well, when language through the Greeks was first uh, started out, um, it was all capitals. There was no punctuation, and all of the words ran together. Um, very difficult to read. And as time went on, it was broken up and separated, and it was changed into uppercase, lowercase, things like that. And But if people remember any like old books or whatever, you would see a chapter or a paragraph of a book the first word would be a big picture it'd be highlighted oh why is that it's because the picture of that first letter that was highlighted it was really big and it would have like vines around it or whatever it'd be decorative but that first letter told you what that paragraph or chapter was really about and take the letter G, for instance. If you look at the letter G, it's a head that comes up at the bottom, and it has a point on it. It's the head and a tongue. It's someone speaking. Okay. Uh, you can even go and look at that in the Hebrew. In the Hebrew, you turn it on its side, and it resembles, it refers to a house, who someone is, what something is. And yeah. every letter, it actually comes back from the pictographs of Egypt. It can all be traced back there. Yeah, I, uh, I just uh, looked at the word letter. Um, it's too long of a definition, so I'm not going to go into the whole definition. But uh, I'm just going to uh, do a couple of the definitions. Uh, a mark or character written, printed, engraved, or painted. Uh, uh, uses the representative of sound or of an articulation of the human origins of speech. Uh, well, right there, you mentioned sound. What sound? It's frequency. The first yeah. thing you brought up was the first thing you brought up was mark. Oh, what is yeah. a mark? A mark wow. is something that tells you what something is, what it's about. I would recommend looking up the etymology. That's well. That's what I did, and I and I'm going to come up with a real quick one. This is from etymology on entom online, and it says written character conveying information about sound in speech. Ladies yeah, etymology, and gentlemen, etymology okay. online is what Carl Lentz uses. If people didn't know, yeah, I mean, I I kind of like etymology, but uh, I mean, I'm not I'm not 100 percent sure. I mean, apparently it's been certified and verified, but I'm not sure. But uh, I, I I do like it. I do like it, and it did it did help me to get uh, a lot of uh, other etymological resources, including the 1828 dictionary. Uh, I have a facsimile copy, which, by the way, is uh, very authentic. Um, it, um, and but that being said, um, I must say to everybody, um, this is a this is an epic call right now. Um, 
am 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 I being facetious right here? Because uh, I I personally believe uh, there's a lot of knowledge right now that we are speaking here. Uh, uh, am I am I uh, am I correct or no? I would probably agree with that. Yeah. Without letting yeah. our heads get big, um, I want to point out that we seriously believe that the information that we're passing on is very important, and that's the pertinent part. And there is yeah. something I wanted to add. There was something I wanted yeah. to add this evening as well, and I've not brought it up, I don't think, before on these calls. But, you know, I started Tactical Sovereignty pretty much to show my research what I was looking at as far as law and legal goes and all of that kind of thing. Um, the past month or so has been very easy for me as far as people submitting posts because all people want to freaking post is all the crap that you see about this virus stuff. So I'm sorry, but those automatically get denied. Bing, not what the group's about. But at the same time, after I started the group and I started researching law and legal, I started seeing the parallels with spirituality and light bulbs start coming on left and right. So I started a group, uh, Origins of Eternity by Tactical Sovereignty. <laughs> it has a sm much smaller following, but the reason why I started that group was because I knew that if I shared some of that information into Tactical Sovereignty, everybody would be like, oh, this is just more religious bullshit. <laughs> they don't comprehend the difference between religion and spiritual they don't realize the difference between um, a man-made man-made following and your connection between your heart and who created you and that's what's most yeah. important yeah. hey brian you know what also um when i first discovered your call uh when i first saw that title of your call tactical sovereignty i was I was kind of thinking it was like fighting thing. So when I saw that, <clears throat> and you know, and I, and I, and, um, well, you don't, um, you don't know how many people have joined and want right. me to help them sell their tactical gear <laughs> yeah. or, you know, um, <laughs> Or, or the and guns and yeah, <laughs> and it's like uh, yeah, not what this is about. Does, Sorry. Does anybody we online have, have sovereignty gear? <laughs> we, yeah. we have we, we have to be tactical as to how we go about this. Otherwise, you're gonna get that freaking sovereign citizen label thrown on you. Oh yeah, yeah. Like I said earlier, process. And this is where <laughs> yeah. I want to remind everybody. San Su says in his Art of War, to defeat one's opponent without fighting is of supreme excellence yep. uh -huh, baby. he also said win the war before the fight or like bruce lee the art of fighting without fighting exactly uh, yeah bruce we got all this stuff from uh the sons of the as, as well absolutely This has been a great call, man. This is a great call. Um, you, you know what I, you know what I thought tonight is that we, we've had these little pauses of dead air, but what they really are, there are times where we are all sitting back on our heels, going, "Wow, yeah, yeah that's that's something to think about." <laughs> it is, yeah. I mean, people it is. Don't, and people don't recognize um, those as those little spiritual awakenings. 
There are times, very, 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 very rarely, on the main networks, like, say, uh, whatever internet networks there are, sometimes <laughs> there is a pause, sometimes. And when that happens, and I look at them, I'm like, oh, yeah, they're thinking. <laughs> they're thinking. <laughs> you know what? You know what? That. A, a friend of my mom actually correctly identified those pauses, I think. And what she calls them is a time when God is whispering in your ear. Sounds close. I think the important thing is we have to choose who our God is. Because you hear this word God all the time. God is just a title. It, it doesn't identify anyone. Now, if you see, I, I remember when I, I, you know, most of this stuff, I've had a good idea about my whole life. I remember when I was like 10 years old in school, and I always went to a parochial school, Christian school. Never, never went to a public school. But I, I remember one time I asked my uh, teacher in school. He, I raised my hand. He came over and sat down with me at my desk. And I said, I'm reading these scriptures here. And I see a capital G and I see small g's. Why is that? He said, well, capital G is talking about the one and only true God. That didn't answer my question. Who is the one and only true God? Because you go to different societies, different cultures, <laughs> cults, communities, it, they're all going to worship who they think is the one supreme God. When you see capital G, it means it's referring to a specific God. The trick is find out which specific God they're referring to. I mean, even go back to when there was the attack on Afghanistan or whatever, and we're bombing the shit out of them, or the U.S. was bombing the shit out of them. Uh, they called it shock and awe. Shock and awe. You heard shock and awe over and over again. Go online and look up who shock and awe is. Shock and awe is a freaking god. It's a god of sacrifice. Um, on that note, uh, before I part, uh, I just wish to know, uh, not to know, I just wish to express that, um, granted, we have these uh, silly-ass autonomous collectives known as Chaz, Chaz, or whatever. Um, chop. I, I wish to, I w yeah, Chop, fuck that. Sorry. Sorry for swearing. But uh, <laughs> bottom line is, <laughs> shit. Yeah, this is yeah, a family call. This is a family that. call. What are you doing? All right. Anyway, sorry. Uh, but anyway, uh, before I go, I need to uh, express this. Um, there are autonomous collectives coming from within our own, our own houses. So you know, like us in ourselves are our own autonomous collectives. So on that note. This is Money Mike 5000 coming to you live from Fettuccine Alfredo. Um, uh, over and out. Love you, Brian. Love you, Trey. Love you, Keith. Love you guys. I'm headed out. You guys take care. You have all my love and appreciation. Take care. Thanks. Thanks, Money Mike. You, you have a blessed evening, sir.
All right, Keith. Well, oh, it's just after 11, so we've been here for a couple hours. Um, got anything you want to close out with, or does anybody else that's been listening in uh, have the nerve to come up with just an anonymous voice and give your name and have a question or anything? Because that's what these calls were actually created for, was so that members of Tactical Sovereignty could come together, get to meet each other, ask questions, things like that, and information would be put into a recording instead of just in a thread of comments on a post. That way more people could you know, wrap their minds around different things. So if anybody else has anything, feel free. Uh, Keith? Feel free and close us out. Yeah, I'm good for the night. I'm going to go watch a movie with my companion. And like I always tell everybody, if it wasn't for you guys, I wouldn't be doing this. So God bless you. Love you. Hope everybody enjoyed the show and have a great night. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess that means I need to add my uh, phrase as well that I use. And that is that. You know, people ask, well, where should I start looking? Where should I start learning? And the one thing I always say is you need to learn, number one, who you really are, where you're really at, and where you're really from. Because we've been deceived on all three of those levels. And unless you comprehend that, you won't be able to handle what's coming at you today. Bottom line. Everybody be blessed. Love you all. Thanks, Keith. Thanks, Money Mike. And uh, every Sunday night, 9 p.m., catch y'all. Night, everybody. everybody. Thanks, Thomas, if you're still here. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.